This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted... Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and on the line today I have with us Brad Townsend to talk some math. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm just great, just trying to enjoy what's left of my All-Star break. You know, our All-Star, is the All-Star break longer than it used to be? I'm, 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 am I crazy? Is that, does that seem right? I didn't, I didn't remember it being so many days. Well, I mean, you are crazy, but uh, <laughs> it is longer. It is longer than it used to be. It used to be basically three or four days. And then uh, I think it's six, five, six years ago, they changed it. Big reason was LeBron James and some of the other marquee players were complaining that, hey, when they went off to an All-Star game, they didn't really get any kind of a break. Yeah. So for the last few years, it's been basically a week-long break. So, but since I went to Chicago to chronicle the late the uh, Luka Doncic, what turned out to be 17 minutes on the court uh, in the game, um, I'm just trying to grab a day off here. Now, Brad, you you deserve a day off. So if it were up to me, you'd have the whole month off, Brad. But well, thanks so much. Well, you know, but I don't have control over anything. So uh, anyway, uh, well, let's let's talk about the Mavs now when they come back here. We we saw a little glimpse of something last Friday uh, with Luca and uh, uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis playing uh, together, and uh, and I'm wondering if that was the the best that they've played together this this season. Yeah, I went back uh, and looked at the numbers. Uh, I think there's been six or seven games when they each, you know, the other night they combined for 60 points. There's been six or seven games when they've combined for that much or more. But when you when you think about, when I think back to the fluidity fluidity of what we saw Friday and just, uh, and a lot of that had to do with Porzingis being in sync offensively and certainly uh shooting a higher percentage, I, I would say that was their best game together. Uh, I, the, the other game I remember, uh, there was there were flashes of it, was the game in Mexico City. Um, they were they were on the court together and operating at a really high level. And I think the common denominator uh, is the fact that Porzingis is playing more center, uh, like he did that night in Mexico City. Um, basically, uh, made Andre Jerome and they were playing the Pistons that, that night. Uh, really kind of took uh, Andre Drummond out of the game because Drummond couldn't guard him out on the perimeter, and then when he tried to, they were, he was rolling to the basket and getting dunks. So, uh, you know, with Dwight Powell having been out now for almost a month, uh, I think I think what we saw Friday was a preview of what we're going to see in the last 27 games, and that's uh, – Porzingis playing more center. 
Yeah, and ex- explain why it is that him playing center uh, is something that he prefers. Yeah, you know, we've asked him about it uh, after the ga- after games when he's played some center, and uh, it's interesting. He w- he doesn't want to come across as complaining about complaining when he's not playing center, but he's making it very clear how much he likes to play center on offense, and, and it's because. Uh, in the Mavs offense, most of the time, the, the center is the guy that's going to be setting the initial screen up top for Luka. And the way Porzingis explains it, it's, that puts him at the point of attack. He feels like he's involved from the get-go. He's not just standing out on the wing uh, being a decoy and spreading the, the defense. And, you know, by, by being the screener and roller, got the option of popping out for a three-pointer or rolling to the basket. I mean, these are things that we all sort of figured when, when the Mavs trained for him. <clears throat> but, you know, let's not, let's not act like uh, what, was, what they had before was broken. I mean, <clears throat> the Mavericks had the highest uh, efficiency offense in league history at the time that uh, Dwight Powell got hurt. It's just that now, because they're being forced into uh, having Porzingis play center more often, and that has him feeling like he's more involved. And I think it's a great segue because I wanted to ask you about that because it, it seems to me when you watch this team, and that's you know, and we have, and I've written about this, and and you have as obviously as well about the uh, the fact that they are such a highly efficient offense and doing so well, and yet they've had trouble closing out games. And when what that says to me is that at the end of a game. Uh, you can say all you want to that, well, we've got a lot of guys who can score, but NBA teams go to, they have their go-to guys and their go-to plays at the end of games. And that's, and, and those are the things you have to rely on. And in this offense, you know, to me, as efficient as it has been, it has to be a situation where it's Luca or, or Przingis or, or, you know, if you, if obviously if you get a, an open man and, and you have you have certainly had confidence in people like Seth Curry uh, to, to take that shot or Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, those, those people are certainly uh, secondary options. But the top two options have to be Przingis and Luka. And, 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 wa- and watching that – well, first of all, let me just ask you about that, about if you get those two guys going, don't you answer probably a lot of those problems about closing out games? I think so, uh, and I'm also uh, going to go back to uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, I asked Seth Curry about their late game problems because this has been, you know, a thing going on all year, and he, he brought up a great point. And I think he wanted it was a point he wanted to make because Seth Curry doesn't really talk a lot. Uh, he said that they need more guys touching the ball at the end of games, and if you think about their offense for generally for the first. 40 to 45 minutes of a game, they're operating at their best when they're passing the ball around and just playing at a fluid style. And what I think he, you know, his point was that in the last couple of minutes of games, uh, you know, he wasn't calling out Luca by any stretch, but, you know, defense is clamped down. Luca's going to have the ball in, their, in his hands, and that's more than likely when uh, he's going to be doubled. People are going to try to take the ball out of his hands. He's forced out to the further away from the basket. And then all of a sudden the Mavs are scrambling for a shot. And his point was, let's play the, let's play the last three minutes the way we played the first 48. I mean, 40, 45. 
And, and I think there's there's a lot of validity in that too. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Um, so if if we uh, if we if we get this, if, if the if the uh, Mavericks get this thing together, where uh, they can play more like they did Friday night, I, I thought one of the things that uh, uh, that uh, you, you hear on the broadcast too is if it, it felt like. It felt easy. It didn't feel like uh, you know that they had scored that many points together. It just it felt really natural that you know it wasn't a case of of uh, uh, KP coming down and, and drilling three pointers left and right. It was just a. It, it felt like it. It was comfortable at that point. Do Do you feel like that there's any you know is obviously you're going to see here going into the second half. Is that a one night thing or does that feel like something to you that they can sustain? I don't think it's a one-night thing, uh, and actually, I made I've made this point uh, several times in recent weeks, both in the paper, maybe other interviews, that uh, I compare Dallas's situation to Houston. Houston has had trouble getting um, Westbrook and Harden playing at a high level on the same night. Uh, now they've had a couple of recent games where they have, but. The difference there is that those guys essentially play the same position. They're both ball-dominant guards. It's not that surprising that they would have that situation. Obviously, Luca and Porzingis play completely different situation, uh, positions. And so, uh, to me, it's a matter of time before the Mavericks figured out ways to get them more involved. Um, you know, one guy's got the ball in his hands a lot, and the other is dependent on getting uh, somebody getting him the ball. And that's a lot easier to figure out than the Rockets situation where no matter how you draw it up, both Westbrook and Harden want the ball in their hand. Yeah, you know, they, when they were both playing together in Oklahoma City, I always thought that, uh, you know, because Harden was the first to go, I always thought that, that uh, if I was going to keep one of those guys, I was going to keep Harden because – he was willing. To, he was not as uh, ball dominant at, at that point in his career, uh, and, and he was going to make things happen with more people. So obviously, he evolved into a very ball dominant guard, and uh, and I, I wasn't sure that could what could work again. I'm still not sure it can work, but I guess we'll. Well, and, and then also back then he was coming. He was coming off the bench. You know, he's a sixth man. So right. A lot of times so they worked together, so there was a reason for that. Yeah. Um, but but it was, they were still dangerous when you had them both in the game down the stretch. Yeah, no question about it. All right, so so let's talk a little bit about going down the stretch here. What twenty seven games left? Uh, mm-hmm. What do you, uh, you know? The, the Mavericks are currently the sixth seed. Uh, do, you, do you think that's where they set, they end up uh, at, at six? Uh, yeah, somewhere around. Um, sort of five, six, seven range. The other thing the Mavs need to do down the stretch is figure out how to play better at home. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're 15 or 14 at home and 18 and 8 on the road. Um, but I, I don't see them, you know, the, I think the goal going into the season was to make the playoffs, and then when they got off to a strong start, then it became let's try to get home court advantage. I don't see them being able to do that at this point. Utah is four games up in the loss column. Uh, when they lost to Utah uh, before the All Star break, in my opinion, that was a that was a big uh, kick uh, in the midsection because 
you know, that put Utah not only up by four games in the loss column, but Utah's already won the season series. It's going to be really difficult to to climb into the top four at this point. Um, and then after that, you you know, you, I guess you kind of look at the landscape and you, well, frankly, the Mavericks just need to win as many games as possible. I mean, if they could get, if they could finish fifth or sixth, then maybe that, uh, Fifth would be ideal because more than likely you're going to be playing Utah in the first round instead of uh, the Lakers, Denver, or Clippers in the first round. So, you know, I hear people say, well, uh, home court advantage doesn't matter to a team where uh, that's played so well on the road. Uh, but the flip side of that is if, if you're that bad at home, then, then there's a chance you're going to lose a home playoff game too, which means you've got to win two games on the road, which is pretty which is exponentially tougher. Yeah. So, you know, I don't buy the whole thing of, uh, well, home court advantage doesn't matter to this team. It does, but, but, I, but, but frankly, I think the reality is that might be out of reach for this team now. All right, we didn't talk about the, the trade deadline and, and what the, uh, the Mavericks should have done, could have done, tried to do. Uh, uh, Mark Cuban came out recently and said that they were on the precipice of two big deals uh, before the deadline, uh, I think we uh, pretty much uh, resolved that one of those was for Danny Green, um, and that they'd have been on that uh, that, that three-way deal between the the Knicks and the Lakers, uh, and of course the the Knicks did a deal with the the Clippers instead, and so the Mavericks part of that fell through. Uh, what was the what was the other deal that he was talking about uh, of adding? Well, I wish I knew. If I knew, I would have written it. But <laughs> the, uh, I'm, I'm surprised he put that out there because they're very close-mouthed about what they do. Um, you know, my gut is that he put it out there because he knows that uh, he knows there's a pretty good chance that no one's going to find out who that was. Yeah. And certainly, they're not going to come out and say, or even probably say secretly who it was. Uh, that's their mo. They don't they don't put stuff out there. But I think. His, the reason he did put it out there was he wants fans to know um, that they are trying to win now. They that they are that they do look at uh, the, these playoffs as an opportunity, not just hey we're going to be glad to be in the playoffs. And I think you know the Danny Green thing uh, would have been very interesting. It certainly would have given them more uh, a savvy uh, playoff experience. You know, multiple NBA championship guy in the locker room. And to me, that that sends a big message that they that they feel like they need more of that in the locker room, not only in the locker, not only on the court, but you know, just kind of that experience. If you look at it, you know, Porzingis has never been in the playoffs. I wanted to to congratulate him the other night because uh, that was the Mavs' thirty third win. His most wins as a Nick was thirty two. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to call out anybody that maybe like works for the Dallas Morning News, like oh Tim Callishaw, uh, who said that the it was just fine that they didn't do anything uh, at the trade deadline. He, he wrote that I think like like I don't know, fifteen minutes after I wrote the column saying that uh, it would have been good if they could have added Danny Green or 
Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Uh, and He's just trying to be contrarian. Yeah, you. that's right. Uh, I don't even think he knew that I wrote that, frankly. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I, I, and, I, and then I got a lot of feedback on uh, on Twitter uh, from people who saying that, oh no, this team just needs to grow together, and it just needs time, and and they a lot of hashtag long haul type things. It's like, first of all, there's no such thing in the NBA as a long haul. There's no such thing in any sport as a long haul. Uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen to these players. You don't. A guy like Porzingis could fall down tomorrow and break his leg. You know, there there are so many things that can happen, and 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 you don't you don't certainly cash it all in and go all in. But trading a second round pick, even the Warriors' second round pick, uh, for a guy like Danny Green and Courtney Lee's expiring contract, that's yeah. that's not anything. You know, uh, and and to get a guy of that caliber and not only to help you maybe even, you know, stretch it out a little bit in the playoffs. Maybe he's good for an extra win in the playoffs to help you play another game, which is always good. But because of just what you were talking about, the importance of having a guy in that locker room who has veteran experience, playoff experience. Uh, When I looked up the the number of, of playoff games these guys had played in, Danny Green and Andre Iguodala both had as many playoff game as much playoff game experience i think it's almost the entire mavericks roster so uh that's i think that's important guys need to be playing around those kind of guys don't you think yeah i think so the other thing it would have done is uh you know if they'd gotten one of those guys then they wouldn't have to potentially face them in the playoffs (laughs) yeah that's an excellent point as well (laughs) (laughs) so no i agree with everything you're saying and that part yeah well, that's good. That's and that's why we have you on, Brad, so you can agree with me when I make, make points about <laughs> this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I, I think that this uh, certainly, and, and everyone would agree that this this Mavericks team is uh, is trending up uh, far more so than we thought they would going into the season. Although I, I do say I, I thought that they were a fringe playoff. I thought that they. I think I picked them to be a seventh seed. I may have been a little crazy doing that. I just felt like there were. Uh, some things that 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 uh, might have triggered that. Uh, so uh, they so they did a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. I guess is is what I could say. What did you have them before the season? Uh, I, I had them probably. Uh, well, I had them as a forty-two win team. So you seem a lot smarter than me. Why, <laughs> why aren't you covering the team? <laughs> Don't be trying to push this off on me, Brad. Okay. I think that'd be a good trade. <laughs> I'll trade with you today, and then you know. Let's just have you do it down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I like just being a little dilettante and coming in and doing something for a, for a day or two yeah. and then wander off and go do something else for a couple of days and wander on to the next point. So uh, that's uh, that's the beauty of, of this uh, of this job. So I don't have to be yeah. I don't have to be an, I get to be an expert for like, you know, 24 hours and then I, I get right. to move on. All right, or yeah, 24 except minutes. Except the people on Twitter, you know. But, yeah. but no matter what you write, they're gonna somebody's gonna take the opposing view. That's uh, you know the beauty and the curse of Twitter is it's a big old conversation. I actually like Twitter. I don't like it when it gets nasty and name calling and you know childish. But uh, I do enjoy being part of the conversation, and, and uh, it, it is a way to. Uh, to get feedback from fans and what they're thinking. And uh, even if they're not thinking in a very clear, in, in a very uh, sound manner, but at least you know what they're thinking. 
Well, good for you for enjoying it. I, I don't know. Uh, so most of the time when I open it up, it, I feel like I'm opening a door to hell. It just <laughs> it just feels like, do I yeah. really want to open this door or not? You can go. You can definitely uh, be thrown down some rabbit holes for sure. <laughs> so you just have to pick your spots. Yeah. I, I picked my spot with a guy the other day who said, who writes these blank articles? And I, and I, and I, t- I tweeted back to him. The same guy who puts his name on him, unlike the guy who wrote your tweet. Ooh, yeah, hi. yeah. I don't. You know, that's the other thing. I don't mind them saying stuff so much. Yeah, put your name on it, pal. Come on. Uh, yeah. Don't be. You're not such a, a, a tough guy. I did have somebody way back in the day. This is back just when people sent you emails who didn't have his name on there, and I I made some comment to him as I was going back and forth with him about that, and he said he had a really high-level job, uh, like a government job, and that he couldn't he couldn't use his real name in the email. I think it was Gordon Liddy, but I'm not sure. So anyway. <laughs> so anyway, well, Brad, it's been great having you on. We appreciate you taking the time on this time off. Uh, go do something fun now. Go jump in the pool. Uh, ha- have, have a good time on me, okay? Okay, Brad. Thanks, Brad. You too. There goes Brad Townsend, our favorite guy covering the Mavs, uh, and and he he does a terrific job, uh, and he does do a good job uh, corresponding with uh, all the people on on Twitter who follow the Mavs, uh, and it's a it's an interesting dialogue. So that does it for our Mavs podcast. Uh, stick with us, and we're going to have one about the Rangers too, in which I call Evan and surprise Arizona and see uh, if he's found any uh, new places to eat out there. That's his primary concern uh not covering the the rangers uh finding a place to eat uh so from everybody in here to everybody out there thanks and we'll see you next time be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on itunes follow us on facebook and twitter too just search the ballsy with a z podcast until next time sports fans we'll see you